Yo, what's happening, everybody? This is Jerome checking in for the Chicken and Kool-Aid podcast. We're on volume number 129. It is March 10th and um, of the quarantine lean. And the topic of today or this morning is inflation and how that affects the African-American community. So we see a lot of posts about people talking about, let's take it back to the Flintstone days uh, people are posting memes of like these old school makeshift cars to avoid the gas prices. I mean, we have seen or seeing the cost of food go up. We're seeing the cost of housing go up. We're seeing the cost of everything go up except the value of our community. And really and truly, I think it's a shame that we have not caught the picture yet Um In regards of survival, in regards to being self-sufficient, in regards to being an answer to our own struggles. And I've been basically talking about economics for a long time and how African-Americans should really uh, buy where they live at. You know, invest in your own community, um, buy in your own community, build in your own community. And a lot of people are constantly basically going against that. A lot of people still want to buy brand new cars. A lot of people still want to, um, once they get an education, the first thing that they want to do is to move out of the quote unquote hood and go to a better neighborhood that has a better school, that has access to different quote unquote amenities. And what they actually realize is that, you know what, once they move up into this quote unquote new neighborhood, they're not factoring in the property taxes. They're not factoring in um, the BS education on certain levels that their children may be receiving. They're not factoring in um, discrimination. They're not factoring in the long transport to work. You know, they're not factoring in all of these things. And I started to think about this as soon as I seen, you know, just different correlations in regards to gas prices, in regards to food prices. And I was thinking, how can we make our community recession proof? And to me, that's a very, very deep and I'm just going to pause for a minute. Logical way of thinking. And the reason why is this, right? If we constantly have to go to Walmart, if we constantly have to go to these major food chains and grocery stores to get our food, then pretty much we're subjecting ourselves to a lot of the price gouging. Um, The gas market or the gas and oil market has went up sufficiently. And basically they're saying, you know, they're blaming it on the war. Oh, you know, oil and gas prices are going to go up because of the war. Food is going to go up because of the war. And low key, I'm thinking to myself, bullshit. It shouldn't go up at all. Because number one, when it really trickles down, maybe gas and oil prices, but really and truly, we all know that they're just looking for a reason to line their pockets, right? They're looking for a reason. So 
when I think when I talk about and I discuss different things in regards to black farming and how that could be a major accomplishment for our community to be able to feed our people with the ability of black farmers, we would understand that guess what? If we did that, would we see a cost in rising food? Would we really see it? When we notice and we go into a grocery store and we look at the cost of steak or beef or chicken, how does that really correlate to to us? Or when we go to, let's just say, for instance, Verizon. And when I say Verizon, I'm talking about an actual phone provider. When they, when we know and we're constantly seeing the cost of phones go up, right? How does that really correlate to our community? Or when we're seeing the cost of health costs rising, but black people are still ailing from different health conditions and diseases. We're paying the exorbitant amount of the cost but we're not receiving the services and the attention that we need. So I'm going to break this down for a moment. I was at a, a store, a convenience store um, here in my inner city in Rockford, Illinois. And a young man was in there, you know, he was being him. He wasn't bothering anybody. He was a little bit loud. And he was talking to a guy behind the counter. And he paid the guy for some for some Swissers, um, some cigarettes, and some alcohol. And I think he got a bag of chips. And everybody in the store is complaining about the price and the cost of the products that this store is selling. Everybody knows that this dude is adding at least about, let's just say five to seven dollars more. Right? And it and the black man, I think he was probably about 26, maybe 28 years old, maybe 30, between 25 and 30 at the most, right? He just paid this man about $42. Okay. When he's going to his car, he realized that the man did not give him his cigarettes, right? So he comes back in the store a little bit a little bit irritated, right? And he tells the man, he was like, hey, look, bro, um, I just gave you X amount of dollars, right? You know, you forgot to give me my cigarettes. And immediately the man accused him of lying. And he said something that was really, really compelling to me. He was like, you know what? If you're lying to me, you can never come back in my store. And he said it with conviction. And it was almost like the man, the black man was looking at him and was like, damn, man, I'm only talking about a $10 pack of cigarettes. And you want to put me out of my um, out of your store? And it was almost to the point to where that the dude felt like shit. I really don't have another option. Like I could go to another store, 
but this store stays open later. So, you know, this is my shopping pattern. The man knew it and the store owner knew it. So then the black man started to plead with this dude and was like, yo, bro, look, here's the change. I just left out of here. And then he said, you could even watch the cameras. So I'm not saying anything. I'm just looking at all of this unfold. And then finally, after about 20 minutes, no, about 15 minutes of back and forth, the dude kind of like lighting up and was like, okay, here are the cigarettes. And the dude was like, damn, man, it didn't even take all of that. And you know what I'm saying? Walked out of the store, got in his car and got about his way. And to me, I'm saying, you know what? We're subjecting ourselves to price gouging because we don't have enough black businesses in our community to combat this type of treatment. Now, fast forward this to an experience when we're actually buying used cars or even if we're buying brand new cars when we're buying when we're buying clothes right the schools that we go to because now it's tuition right now it's all of these outside costs when we go to these schools you know in regards to uh let's just say for instance field trips or even the amount of money that it costs to feed your child in school is price gouging, right? The cost is rising and we don't know why, but we're not basically taking the responsibility and saying, you know what, can we do this ourselves? And I'm going to break this down and I'm going to start. With this scenario, right? Think about right now where you live and where you stay. How many black owned used car dealerships do you see around your city? We could go to Los Angeles. We could go to Chicago. We could go to St. Louis. We could go to Baton Rouge. We could go to um, Tallahassee, Florida. Hell, we could go to Miami, Florida. We could go to New Orleans. How many used car dealerships do you see? Probably not a lot. So when you're coming through, and I'm talking about black people here, when you're coming through, let's just say, for instance, if you have a A 600 or 620 credit score. You're still going to get 15% interest. Still. And on top of that, they're still going to raise the price on that car. Oh, man. The wonderful violins of... <laughs> it's not even 6 o'clock in the morning. The wonderful violins of street sirens. But that's another that's another subject for another day. Just to let y'all know, man, I'm you know, I'm in the hood. I'm not I'm not in an affluent area. Um, part of this is because this is where I want to live. And part of this is 
how much money that I make. Oh wow, another police is go another police car is coming through. But they're not giving you the best deal. They're not giving you the best deal. And it's not because basically they want to, you know, they're discriminating. They know that right now who you are and your socioeconomic condition that basically right now your options to get a car is probably not a lot. They also know that if you were to actually go through Bank of America, if you were to go through Wells Fargo, um, if you were to go through Chase, the cost difference is probably about 3%. So what do they do? They self-finance the car. They use the buy here, pay here model. And in the end, you have a car, but you're still paying an exorbitant amount on the car. And what is that doing? That's taking more money from you and putting more money in their pocket. So what should we do? What should we have an emphasis on? We should have an emphasis on help having a network of black-owned used car dealerships that offer fair pricing. That would start to regenerate some of the funds and some of the money that's in our community. And as a result of that, when times are hard, black businesses won't go out of business. They'll actually thrive. Because one thing for sure that we've seen is that the used car dealerships are not going out of business. They're actually thriving. Right? So back, let's go back to the black farmer model. Right now, if there were an alternative, and there is, but we just haven't marketed it correctly. We don't have a good marketing strategy. There's not a connection to for a direct consumer food buying within the black community. This could be huge. And here's the reason why. If black farmers have a surplus of products. And we understand if we go to the local grocery store that we're going to be paying twice as much, sometimes four times as much. As buying corn, as buying tomatoes, as buying avocados, as buying strawberries. Why wouldn't it be a good idea for black farmers to say, hey, look, we accept EBT. We could come set up shop in the hood. In our community. And we could give you all a fair price. They would thrive. They would thrive moving forward because guess what? We all know black people are in certain scenarios are bargain shoppers, right? One thing that we won't bargain on is our image. Black people are willing to spend the $3,000 on a Gucci outfit. They're willing to spend the $400 on a Gucci belt. Oh yeah. They're willing to spend the $500 on different shoes right but when it comes down to paying that damn deductible to make sure that your to make sure that your dentures are you know your your teeth are clean 
and different things like that, we'll say, hell no, that shit is too much, right? So this is a scenario of us becoming recession proof by doing business with our own people because that way we can help set the market with our own people. There are currently right now, as we speak, and I have to give these people credit, a lot of black healthcare professionals getting together to service black people and minority people. And in, and as a result of that, offering better services for a fair market rate. Can you imagine if you were to actually go to a a local clinic and they say hey look check this out man you got you got this you got that you know what I'm saying you got your you got your health care right if we don't if you can't afford it man pay that money pay what you got right now the insurance is going to pay the bulk of it but pay what you got we going to take the hit for this $150. If you can't cover the, you know, the entire deductible, pay what you got. Do you know that system would be booming? I'm not exactly sure how the financials will work out, but do you know that would be booming? Not only are the people getting the amount of attentive care that they need, but they would never run out of clients. Never. Right now, when you think about even us buying clothes, I know it's a lot of, well, you know what? I don't know that, right? But the amount of black people selling clothes that are in demand, selling shoes that are in demand is very, very low. Nine times out of 10, when you go to these places, you're spending money with someone that does not look like you. Imagine if black people had these options in regards to what well, they do have the options to open up the businesses. But imagine if these businesses were established in every area. Right? we would see the difference in regards to how far our money is going. Because really and truly, I'm tired, of, I'm, I'm sick and tired of the negative experiences when I go to these places and I really don't wanna spend my money there. That's why I stopped going to certain places um, here in Rockford. Even though, you know, I'm a foodie, even though the food is good, I wasn't too keen on the service that I was getting so I stopped right now I'm trying I'm trying my best to spend my money with black businesses black owned businesses you know it was a guy if you all most most black people like catfish specifically catfish fillets you see what I'm saying there is a business here in my city that has fresh fish straight out of the Mississippi. If you go to a regular grocery store, right? 
fish is going to be about from anywhere from $5.99 to $7.99 a pound. And I was looking at my partner and I was like, yo, man, you, you know what? You really got something good going on here. If you just step it up and offer, not only is he cleaning the fish, right? If he stepped it up a little bit more and offered to fillet the fish and move the cost up about one, one dollar. The fish there is three, three, three forty nine a pound. If he moved it up one dollar to fillet the fish, he could corner the market. And if our community stood behind, dude, he could be the man, and he could probably provide four more jobs for people who are, let's just say, for instance, on the fence of becoming homeless to where if they if they overspend man you know what they may not pay their light bill they may not pay their they not they may not pay their cell phone bill or whatnot you see what i'm saying so these things are very important and it's a food path to that that's also very important because the food is fresh we don't have to depend on the quote unquote organic food because we know that that black farmers use less pesticides. Right? So this is an option for us. So now when the food cost is going up, this dude could actually keep his prices the same and just say, hey, y'all, come on over here. My price ain't up. His business will be thriving. His community will be thriving. Because guess what? They don't have to pay the cost of $7.99. For two fillets or, or, or $10 for one big ass fillet when you can go right there and you can spend $45 with the man and get 10 pounds of fish and feed your whole family. And probably have enough to put in your deep freeze. So let's just say, for instance, right now, even if the black farmer direct to consumer scenario is not working. Hell, you can plant your food outside. You can plant food inside of your house or in your garage. This, ladies and gentlemen, will cause a recession proof scenario for our community and what would have to happen in the larger society. The price of food would have to come down because they don't have enough customers to support their business model. And really, at that point in time, if the price of food is going to come down, they're going to have to expand the amount of services and products to get us back in the store. But at that point in time, really and truly, if we are practicing this on a large scale, we can save more money, be more healthy and become self-sufficient. Now, there has been thought of actually how to protect ourselves against gas, the cost of rising gas. I think that we need to create a community collective to where we sit down with a black engineer 
right? Someone that specializes in storing gas. And I think that we need to all come together on a week to week basis. This could be a trial and say, hey, you know what? We're going to create the largest gas reserve within within 100 miles. We have 100 people that put in $50 a week. And the only thing that we're going to do for the next year is stop pile gas. A hundred people, $50 a week. That's $200 a month. That's $20,000. Think about how much gas that would buy. And even if we just say, hey, look, this gas is going to be here for us for the next five to 10 years. So guess what? In a scenario such as this, when the cost of gas is rising, right? We just do this for a year. This is not something that we're doing when the cost of gas is rising. Guess who's going to be sitting pretty when the cost of gas goes to $7 a, a gallon? The hundred people who invested that money. Or they could even come out and just say, hey, look, right? We can, we can open this up to the open market and say, hey, look. Right now, we got X amount of gallons, these amount of thousands of gallons of gas. Hey, you know what? Y'all come shop with us. The cost of gas is $4.99 right now. Look, bro, we got $4.50 over here. You would instantly thrive. Recession-proof tactics. You would instantly thrive. See, a lot of people are, aren't really realizing that, you know, we might be in a scenario to where those grocery store shelves may stay empty. Back in the day, we used to have doctors, black doctors doing house calls, ladies and gentlemen, to where if you if your if your mother was sick, there was a black doctor that was coming to see about her. Just show up and knock on your door. Okay, hey, where she at? Or where he at? Okay, this is what's going on. This is what's going on. Do you understand the amount of money that we would save with the Black Doctor Network? And we could say, hey, look, you really don't need to go to the emergency room. We could come see about you right now. This is the chart that you need to do. This is the medicine right here. We got an IV system right here, right? Y'all want to pay for the IVs? We have the medical supply. Hook this up. It don't cost nothing, and it don't take a whole lot to train somebody on how to run an IV machine. But yet and still, if you go to that hospital, they're going to do the same exact thing that you could do in your own house. And guess what? That fifty and $60,000 that they going to charge you is recession-proof now. You understand what I'm saying? 
It's recession proof now. The foods that we eat and consume, healthy foods, we got to bring all of this stuff back. Y'all don't hear me though. I'm keeping it real. You know what? So now let's go to a let's go to another area here. Right? One area that I think that we're not taking a look at and we don't want to take a look at is the cost of black death. Right? And meaning, when someone passes away in your family, how much is it going to cost to bury them? We all know these costs go up, goes up year after year after year. Salute to all the black funeral homes that's out there that's putting in the hard work to bury their people. Offering fair prices. I think this is something that we need to look into. There used to be a lot of black funeral homes. Not anymore. Not anymore. Think about how many jobs that we could create for our own people if we simply had more black funeral homes. More black people to come out, dig the grave. Right. To provide funeral services. This way we could come in and we can be in a scenario to where. Black businesses will be in competition with each other. And as a result of that, they can offer a fair market rate to our people. Depending on depending upon where you at, man, some of these some of these funerals can be very, very expensive. We're talking about fifteen thousand dollars or more. Now, these people got to, you know, now they really on the hustle and they got to, you know, try to gather up five thousand dollars to make a thousand plates to make ten thousand dollars to sell them ten ten dollars a plate to raise the money to bury their loved one. It's a shame. What I want to talk about. That's another area of us becoming recession proof as well. To having our community Trump tight. I am looking and I am asking for all black contractors. You know what? Hey, look here. Get your business together. Get your skill level up. Get your customer service game right. I was talking to a man in Houston, Texas. He's an insurance adjuster. He was telling me about, I'm from Louisiana, of course. 
he was telling me about the hurricane scenario and how desolate and how rampant our community is in certain areas of Louisiana, Lake Charles, New Orleans, all of these areas that were hit with hurricanes and how they come to these people's houses and some of these people are 72, 80 years old, right? And they still have tarps on their houses. It's mold up in there. And these people have to live in these areas. They still have to live in these homes that's unrepaired. And we actually got black men and women, able-bodied black men and women. They don't even have the mindset to say, hey, look. If this older lady got $2,000. Right? We sitting here with no money in our pocket. We can't go over here and help this old lady, an old man, an old couple repair their house and make fifteen to two hundred dollars. I mean, to make fifteen to two thousand dollars. Nine times out of ten, they'll be able to say, "Well, well, you know what? Look, baby, I don't got enough, but I got an extra five hundred dollars to make three thousand dollars in a couple days." To take, to take down some drywall, put some drywall up, repaint it and repair it. But the first thing that they going to say, well, hell, this company over here, they getting paid $7,000 to do the work. But don't be stupid, though, right? Don't be stupid. You have nothing right now. And on top of that, you know what? Don't you think if you do this and you do a good job that they're going to say, hey, call such and such. They came over here to do it. You may not be getting the money that you want, but it's more than the money that you're getting. So go in there, do a good job and move on to the next one. Before you know it, within three, four months, you didn't did probably about 10, 15 houses just simply just putting up drywall. You didn't probably bankroll $20,000. Versus you saying, well, you know what? I don't got no skill. I can't do nothing. You can watch this step by step on YouTube on how to put up drywall. And then before you know it, because I'm putting up my own drywall in my in my own garage. I'm, I'm repairing my own garage. Because I can't find black contractors. That's not price gouging. And that's dependable. That's going to charge me something fair. I either got to depend on somebody that's Hispanic or white. That's not recession proof for our community. And I don't know. I don't think at this point in time that we are ready to charge a market rate because the people that we charging don't got the money to pay the market rate. So as a result of that, you know what? Our community is tore down because hell, these black contractors are looking for a payday that our people can't afford to pay right now. How about this, my guy? How about you come in here, do the work good, and continue to get paid? You're getting paid more than anybody else right now anyway. If you come in and you and your crew is focused, 
and you paying your laborers a fair wage and they're able to be paid in cash, within a week, you'll be able to pay them like $900. Now they pulling up, they're able to buy that car from that black, you know what I'm saying, from that, from that black used car dealership. They pulling up with them a nice car, them a nice truck. Man, how you afford to do that? Hey, man, I work with such and such contractors over here. Yeah, we get paid cash. Okay, you do? For real? Man, y'all doing this? Oh, yeah, man, we did that house, we did that house, we did that house. Man, I see you been out here on your business. Yeah. Okay, so how you able to afford all of this and you getting paid cash? You know what? Check it out. Man, these people over here, this dude over here, he sell fish. These other people over here, they come to the hood, they sell us food for the low. That's how we getting over. Man, I heard you just bought a house. Yeah, man, I just bought a house. You know what? Me and my team, you know what I'm saying? Now I'm able to pay them from the money they paying me, right? He cut me a deal. And now look, yeah, this is my little house over here, man. I bought for, you know what I'm saying, 15000 little nothing. You know what I'm saying? I'm building on it every, every day. For you know it, Boom. Three people in this company that bought cars from this black dealership. They getting food from, from the black farmers and they just bought them a house and they just started their own economic ecosystem. Recession proof. Right there. Recession proof. Oh, what you mean? Hey, you know what, man? I wasn't feeling good. My little daughter, man, she uh she having problems. You know what I'm saying? Me and my girl, me and my old lady, man, we couldn't afford to go to the hospital because we don't got no insurance. But we called, you know what I'm saying? We called my folk over there. And check it out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the Black Doctors Network. Yeah, I called them, man. There was somebody in the system. You know what I'm saying? That they got in their network. It was amazing. They came out. They seen my little daughter. Man, you know what? We gave them, you know what I'm saying? We gave them $100. They told us, you know what I'm saying? They told us how to get the medicine and everything. We went up there and boom. They wrote us out of prescription. Boom. It's over with. My little daughter doing real good right now, bro. Man, would you refer them? Man, they came through. It only took them 30 minutes. I, it was no waiting to nothing. We got a black doctor network over here. Boom. We have to be willing to put in the work to make our own community recession proof. Hey man, check this out, bro. I heard, you no, know, I heard about you. Heard about your grandmama, man. Yeah, man, the whole family going through it, bro. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? She been around us a long time, man. And we recall so many times, man. We used to come over y'all crib, man. She used to fry chicken for everybody and everybody up, you know what I'm saying, playing cards and spades, you know what I'm saying, doing the holidays. And, man, it was a good old time, man. You know what? Man, we hurting right along with you. Hey, but y'all good, though? Yeah, bro, we good, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the life insurance came through. It wasn't a lot. Okay, well, who y'all went through? Hey man, you know what? We went through uh Van Funeral Home. Oh yeah, man, did they treat y'all right? Man, to be honest, bro, they did. You know what I'm saying? It was a blessing. You know what it, you know what I'm saying? It cost us seven thousand. Everything all in. You know what it was kinda hard, you know, but with the life insurance and you know what I'm saying, with the rest of the family chipping in, bro, you know, it really and truly it wasn't no sweat off our back. You know what I'm saying? They was able to get up. In the mortuary, they charged this amount. You know what I'm saying? We was able to pay that. They did the embalming. You know what I'm saying? They got the limo, everything. Bro, it was it was it was pretty cool. 
man, how y'all get off it with 7,000 and we just had to pay somebody 12,000? Man, you know what? We had to holler at, you know what I'm saying? We got a black funeral directory. You know what I'm saying? We were there to holler at these people, man. They came through. They was happy for our business. They treated us right. Man, from point A to point B, you know what I'm saying? All the way through Z, you know, they got us through the process. And to be honest, bro, you know what? It really took a whole lot of stress off my mama, off my daddy, and off everybody else in the family, man, because we wasn't really scrambling. Even though we had to come out some money with our pocket, it was cool. These are examples, right, of how things would work if we had our own separate network set up. Hey, man, where you getting your medicine from, bro? Hey, man, it's a black pharmacy right up the street, man. Man, are they expensive? You know what? They all right, bro. You know what I'm saying? I mean, hell, it's better than going to Walgreens. It's better than going to Walmart. Why you say that? I mean, shit, because we got to ride all the way uptown to go to Walmart, bro. They right around the corner. And guess what? They open to nine, and they still accept my insurance. For real? Oh, yeah, and you know what, man? They got payment plans, bro, if you are not able to, you know what I'm saying? How do you do that? Man, they'll work with you. Only thing you got to do is provide them with your, you know, with your financial information. And, man, you know what? They'll take this off and take this off. They got payment plans up there, bro. For real? They do? These are the type of things that we need to figure out. We can't leave it up to, you know, Congress to figure out. We can't leave it up to the president to figure out. They're not coming to save us. We have to make sure that our own community is recession proof. Hey, yo, bro, check this out, man. So how you buy that house? All right, bro, I'm going to let you know what's going on. All right. You know Devin, man, Devin, Devin been in Devin been in real estate since he was 22 years old. Right? Yeah. Bro, he went to school with us. I know this what I'm trying to tell you. Yo, bro, he got his own, he got his own real estate firm. Okay? We went up there, we told him what was going on, we told him the money that we had to play with. Alright, and he was able to work through. Hold on. You got a loan? No, nah, bro. I saved my money. I saved my money. Me and my old lady, we talked about it. We didn't want to get a loan. Okay, I saved my money. We know the cribs around here is dirt cheap. All right. For real, you did that? Yo, bro, he was able to come up with a, a sophisticated strategy in regards to a tax sale. How much he charge you? Man, believe it or not, bro, he only charges $1,000. What? Man, when me and my wife, when we closing our crib, we had to pay $5,000 closing costs and all of this. Man, it was none of that, bro. We sat down with the man. He told us. He told us how to do it. Just then the third, we was actually able to buy a tax lien property, free and clear. How much that cost you, folks? Man, look, man, I'm not trying to get in your business. Man, you know what? I don't got no shame, bro. It only cost me and my wife $5,900. Man, y'all got that big house, three bedrooms, folks? Uh, uh, two bath and a basement for fifty nine hundred. Yeah, man, I ain't gonna lie, man. You know what? We gotta do some. We gotta do some improvements. But like I said, you know what I'm saying. We working with this Black Contractors Association. You know what I'm saying. And to be honest, bro, ever since I came up under them, man, they were they taught me so much since I got out the feds, or since I got out of jail. What for real, bro? You doing this? You doing that? Hey, man, you know what? I've been talking to some of the dudes, you know what I'm saying, over here in the neighborhood, man. To be honest, bro, 
we tired of trying to be in a trap. These people out here ain't playing us right. They get, you know what I'm saying? They taking all our money. They throwing, you know what I'm saying? They throwing us away. They giving us, they giving us these alphabet yields, man. Super Bowl numbers. Man, you know what? I thought it was gonna be a struggle too, but now I'm on the right path. Okay, so so what else you got going on? Man, I'm really thinking about trying to get in this truck driving. You know what I'm saying? In this truck driving thing. What? Hey, low key though, low key. I hadn't told nobody this, but you know what? I'm trying to partner. For real. You know what I'm saying? This is we need to start these networking opportunities at the ground level. We can't we can't come up. We can't come up at the top, you know what I'm saying, at the top tier. We have to start off. We have to start off like this. We have to start off and start building our networks at the ground level. Then moving forward 15, 20 years, the possibilities would be endless. Imagine if all of these black hotels that used to be that used to be available back in the day. They would be booming right now. Imagine all of these, all of these cool black diners that used to be available before it was actually cool to eat soul food. They would be booming right now. Imagine the black doctor networks that we used to have. They would be booming right now. When you go to the places that's getting health care, nine times out of 10, the person that's providing you with the health care does not look like you. Some of them don't even speak English as their national language. So do you really think that they're going to understand your food patterns? Hell no. They can from their from an educational standpoint, but they're not going to do a whole lot of digging. This is why I continue to push our narrative forward in regards to positive outcomes. In regards to positive solutions. These are solutions. Damn what everybody else talking about. Right. Because, see, we didn't got into the business of pointing the finger. Whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? They should have did this. They should have did that. Well, what the hell are we doing? We didn't got to the point to where that we want people to not only think for us, we want people to do for us and deliver the shit to us. It's not going to happen. We got to think for ourselves Number one. And number two, we have to take the coolness out of going urban. Ain't shit cool about moving to the city if you get there and you can't afford it. It ain't shit cool about moving to Los Angeles trying to chase a damn dream when you can't afford to live in Los Angeles. When you can be right there in your own neighborhood, thriving, making a building block for your own family. Stop telling people, you know what? Hey, look, you got to get out of here to make it. People need you right where you at. The slogan 
It's still true to this day. If you build it, they will come. I don't give a damn where you at and what community you is in. You going to have a corner store there. You gonna have one. It's needed. Everybody is out here. Oh, I'm a boss. I'm a boss. I'm a boss. A boss of what? You a boss of that car note you got. Right? You a boss of that surgery that you trying to get. You a boss of those Cartier flames that's on your, that's on your face. You ain't no boss. You're not employing people. You're not, you know what I'm saying? You're not setting the building blocks for 20 years down the road. Oh yeah, this is real. But see, once our community starts to become recession proof, then that's when we're going to see the real live bosses. Right. Man, I'm telling you, these black men in these trucking businesses, they killing it right now. They the bosses. Salute to them. The people that's bringing food into the hood, they bosses. That's a boss. You feeding your people. The people that's able to provide services and provide jobs, that's a boss. We need to start flipping the mentality. Salute to Rick Ross. For cutting down his own trees or employing some people to help him cut down his own trees. See, that's a that's that right there. They were going to charge that man $10,000. Look it up. That's a form of recession proof. They were trying to price gouge this man. $10,000, that's $1,000 a tree. Now, guess what? It probably took him five days, but hell, he saved $3,000. And not only did he save $3,000, if he really wanted to, he could resell the equipment that he purchased. He got some dudes that helped him out. He was able to put money in their pocket. See, but we've gotten to the point so much to where that we want people to feel sorry for us. And the first thing that we do is say, hey, man, look, help me out. Before you thinking, well, what can I do to help somebody that they would be willing to open their pocketbook or their wallet and say, damn, man, you do this. OK, well, come. I need this. Fifteen, twenty years from now, y'all gonna be listening to this podcast, and y'all gonna be like, somebody, it's gonna be somewhere, and y'all gonna be looking at me in the blueprint that I set down for my family, and gonna be like, you know what, hey, dude was right, bro. Why, you know what I'm saying, dude was right. Cause look, what's going on is, is that what we don't understand is, is that what I'm talking about. It has already been done. We're seeing it right now. These people are able to set their own price. 
because they have ownership. See, the scenario here is, is that we talk about how much money black people spend on Gucci, right? Y'all know white people wear Gucci too. Right? They spending money on that shit. They spending money on it. But if we take our dollars out of Gucci, hey, look, and mean it, man, Gucci would be sending our damn coupons. Look at what happened to Tummy Hill figure. When black people stopped buying Tummy Hill figure, they shit went down. It was over with. The same shit with Polo. Guess jeans, Jabot jeans. But what we do, instead of saying, well, you know what? Hey, look, this is why I don't like people talking about, man, Kanye West shoes ugly in a motherfucker. What we do is we find another white company to latch on to and say, hey, look, we're going to support them. And we got a black man right here, like him or not, that's, that's doing everything that I'm talking about right now. Recession proof. Kanye West at this point in time is recession proof. Call him what you want. Call him stupid. Call him crazy. That man is recession proof right now. He's able to set his own price. Salute to the barbers. They're recession proof. People going to need to get their hair done regardless. Their hair cut regardless. Salute to the ladies that's out there in the salons. Even though we have a long way to go in the beauty industry, these people are recession proof. Because one thing for sure, black women most definitely going to get their hair done. We need to start thinking about our community and how we can make it recession proof. Hopefully y'all enjoyed this podcast. Man, I can see the sun coming up, right? Man, right before I move forward, though, you know what I'm saying? The end of my podcast. Man, I want to give a, a big happy birthday to my grandmother, Lily B. Van, and RIP to my dad, Ralph Van. Um, These are two people who really um, had a major, major impact on my life. I miss y'all every single day. No doubt about it. And um, I love y'all dearly. Thanks again for tuning in to the Chicken and Kool-Aid podcast. Man, y'all get up with me on um, my social media outlets. Thornton Media at Facebook. Jerome Thornton at Facebook. Uh, on Twitter. Rome Empire on Instagram. Um, Virtual Hustle 77. I'm going to holler at y'all.